Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time and get right into the festivities this week. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our daily fantasy sports guru, and our, uh, I will call him our lead research analyst here Ooh, on nice. Longhorn Blitz. I like that title. Fancy Matt title. Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. How about yourself? Uh, Matt, we were talking before we came on the air, man. You are knee-deep in your research for this NBA restart. Yep, finally got some, like, in-destination points. You know, it's like, I I know when the final is. Now, normally you always cram at the end, but it's odd. In this situation, it's like recreation when you've been sitting around trying to find ways to, like, push your mind into something when you have nothing to do. So finding out those NBA days is pretty cool. A man who can always push his mind into interesting places, and he enjoys a good rabbit hole, is the third member of our team. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. I, I appreciate the intro as always, brother, and uh, you've been doing some great work over at Horns 247. I appreciate lately. that. Yeah, Thank man. you, sir. Uh, I read that Adamora column, which was fantastic. That was really good, and I, I agree with you, too. You're right. And you pointed out kind of when, you know, those big moments that he had in the uh, the bowl game. That was mm-hmm. If you haven't, seen, you haven't read that, you got to go read That's probably why Anthony Cook decided to transfer. Yeah. I think he's seeing some of the same yeah. things that you saw when you wrote that article. I, I missed more. You know, I was out on vacation last week, and by the way, thanks to both you guys for holding it down. Good show yeah. last week. Uh, you know, I missed the, the Anthony Cook stuff, and Rod, that's kind of coming back from vacation. That's more of what I wanted to focus on. And mm. Like, we know Anthony Cook's in the portal, yeah. and he's, he's leaving the program, but, you know, what does it mean for the nickel position, this spur position, which we talk about all the time, Rod. We've been talking about it for years since we started this show how difficult that nickel position is to play in the Big 12. Yeah. And it just, it's really funny to see now, like, NFL writers catching on, like, oh, my gosh, last year, did you know the 
Oh, the Rams were in nickel personnel 85% of the time. I'm like, yeah, welcome to football, the football world we've been in for the last 10 years. No doubt. Yeah, it's the Come most important the position in on defense in, in Big 12 football, which, like you said, now that equates to the NFL. I think it. I think it's one of the top three most important positions on the defense now. You know what? Nickel back, spur, whatever you want to call it, yeah. the slot corner, however you want to describe Sorry, it. Sorry, Rod, I got a little jumpy there. But no you know what? Like when we, you talk about different personnel groupings on both sides of the ball, and we talk about it, everybody's kind of in. We talk about a lot with Tom Herman in Texas. Like most everybody is basing out of 11 personnel these days. Yeah. Uh, Tom Herman loves it too much. And the fullback, <laughs> as a result, has become kind of an endangered species. Same thing with the Sam linebacker on defense. Like the Sam linebacker, I agree with this. as we knew it, is kind of become an endangered species. Yeah. Unless you've just got, and I mentioned this in the Chris Adamora piece, I go back to Chris Ash's time at Ohio State. He had Darren Lee at Sam linebacker, which, okay. You got a freak. If you can find a guy who's six foot, six yeah. foot one, 220 pounds and can run sub 4'4, four, four, more power <laughs> to you. And that. he's a legit Sam linebacker, then great. Yeah. You know, you can t- take your chances that's with that. The, that's the point. Well, it's a point one oh percent. You know what I mean? You don't find those guys. Those guys are too tough. Even Ohio State may be able to find them, but hell, nobody else can. Yes, yeah. and then the idea that they're so rare now, if you are trying to, say, put one out on the field, it becomes an easy target because you're really as good as your weakest spot on defense. And to say how you brought up, you know, nickel position is so valuable, but so valuable because of its one ability that you can put a best wide receiver tied in or put a running back in that position and then they can manipulate the coverage and be able to do the same thing. And, like, when you talk about a linebacker, a guy that may have to cover those type of players, just giving on a matchup from the offensive coordinator or some type of motion, anything along those lines, one mismatch like that, they can just magnify it every single time over and over and over again. This is why Arizona drafted Isaiah Simmons. Yep. Yeah. they got to go up against the 49ers. Yep. And and also the, the Rams, who mostly they love multiplicity, but mostly the 49ers who run 21 personnel more than anybody in the league, two backs, one tight end, and they they love the fullback position, that endangered species. So when nobody else in the NFL is geared to defend the fullback, mm-hmm. the 49ers make that a focal point of their offense, and they automatically get mismatches because you try to throw your that Sam linebacker mm-hmm. out there, and that guy gets he gets matched up randomly on Kittle, and he never Juice plays. Check. Like you said, it much better than I did. That's and exactly then, yeah. what they do. And then that guy becomes he becomes a matchup nightmare. It becomes advantageous to the offense. So that's why Isaiah Simmons is big for Arizona because when uh, when Shannon tries to get that matchup advantage. Isaiah Simmons can be a linebacker. Or he mm-hmm. can be a DB. Yeah. Depends on whatever you need. He can cover Kittle. He can cover check. You don't have to change anything. You can have your 40 personnel, essentially all your linebackers on the field, but also morph him back into the defensive backs when he needs to be. That is – that's next level. That's what everybody wants. That's mm-hmm. what for so many years uh, – in a second run at K-State made K-State such a tough out was Bill Snyder still wanting to go – you know, 20, 22 personnel run and multiple game. tight ends and fullbacks yep. because, Rod, you can't even replicate that with your scout team now. Like, you just don't have the personnel to be able to give an accurate look at what that looks like. And if you get a guy like when he had a Gronkowski or a Winston Demel, a guy that's just a, a beast at that fullback position that truly can – yeah. Be that rare fullback that does multiple things for you, man. It's that's your own chess piece Agreed. that you have. Yep. Uh, and and we're seeing that a little. And, and we'll talk some kind of big picture Big Twelve on the show this week. But that's one of the unique things about like Matt Campbell's offense, where they're running like 
you multiple know. tight ends. Yeah. Two, you know what I mean, twelve personnel. They were thirteen personnel. Thirteen personnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get and, they, and they, they get funky with the pre-snap motions and shifts. Uh, actually, what Brian Harson used to call funk. Actually, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. they. I, I love Matt Campbell's offense. Matt Campbell won't be there for long. though. we ain't got to worry about him. Matt Campbell will be there for two more years, and he's. Somebody's gonna snatch him. And to up. your point, Brian Harson was another guy that liked multiple tight ends. And, he did, you know, he loved that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think if you know, and we won't get deep into this, but Tom Herman, one of my talking points this year is, you got to be about fifty to sixty percent eleven personnel because I know he loves it. So still make that the focal point. Maybe even sixty five percent eleven personnel, but you got to throw in fifteen to twenty percent twenty one personnel, two backs, one tight end, or twenty personnel. Two backs, three wide receivers, zero tight ends, and you, it, it, where basically maybe it's a shotgun split back formation. You got to get more of those running backs on the field. You're going back to your fantastic work, the deep dive you did about running backs, and people haven't read that one. I don't know. Keep digging on two four seven because it's fantastic. But it shows you that not only in Tom Herman's pro spread offense does he actually like to focus on running backs in the passing game. But naturally, Keontae Ingram has developed into one of the best pass receiving running backs in Texas football history yeah. already. And mm-hmm. then you know you got uh, you know you got Bijan Robinson coming in. Who's I mean, we seen that video of him doing the where he's doing the three sixty catch mm-hmm. where he's turning around. I mean, I can't describe it to you, but pirouetting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a next level kind of guy. Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith are playing the H position, which means they can seamlessly transition between the backfield and also the receiving core. And then you got Rojo back there, too, who's also a decent receiver. I, I think that's going to be, it's strange. I think that's going to be your best option to move the chains via the passing game rather than your wide receivers because I don't trust them yet to get separation. That's why. Yursich, it's going to be big for Yursich this year to figure out, can I, how many two-back formations can I use? Ironically enough, people don't realize how Mummy, originally, when they come up with the air raid, Mike Leach is the one that turned it into a 10-personnel thing with four wide receivers. Mm. How Mummy was running two-back formations. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even Strong. to this day, you can go watch, uh, you go watch some Washington State film, and Mike Leach will break out in a two-back formation. We know mm-hmm. Lincoln Raleigh loves to break out. 20 personnel and 21 personnel every now and then. So if you're Yersage man, and who's a who's, who's who's a descendant of, of course, that Mike Gundy tree, but around that time that Mike Gundy got infatuated with the air raid, so I know he can do it. He's a he's a cover band, you know what I mean? So he's he's great at covering great offense and covering great uh, you know variations. So go go steal some of those air raid concepts with multiple backs and use Texas's great talent in the backfield to get matchup advantages just like Shannon. Matter of fact, hit him up too to get matchup advantages in the Big 12. You can dude, you can annihilate the Big 12 in that regard. And then when you got to face TCU who has great safety plays like man, I don't know if I want to throw into that secondary. You won't really have to. You can take advantage of their underneath defenders who really can't hold up. And if they want to throw a lot of DBs in it, then you can run the football. Teach those running backs how to be fullbacks and how to block as well. Remember, Yersich, in 2018, when Texas gets beat by, oh, what's his name, Corndog, mm-hmm. Taylor Cornelius, <laughs> 50% of the time, they Oklahoma State offense is running two-back formation. They're running 21 personnel, two backs in that backfield. And sometimes it's two tailbacks. Uh-huh. It, it was Chuba Hubbard, Justice Hill, and that guy King, whatever his name was. They're running two back, two tailbacks in the backfield. 
teach Texas how to do that, and 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 and, uh, and Stan Drayton should be able to teach those guys how to block. And that way, when teams want to they want to load up with defensive backs because they know you're going to find matchup advantages in the passing game with your running backs and your two back personnel, then boom, you can hit them up and you can run down their damn throat because you got numbers in the running game. That should be the identity of the offense this year. Just getting back to what we're talking about about matchup advantages. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, and, and if I don't see it. I'm gonna be upset because I don't. If I, I think if you don't see it, you see 11 personnel 95 percent of the time. I think I think Texas is gonna get outscored, and I think Texas is gonna get outcoached. Yeah, because you're Not volunteering joking. a lot of information to the opponents just by doing something the same over and over and over. That mental consumption is so big. But your point about you know Keontae, he's a guy that's already seen the production through the air, and that's with. Really, our discussion, we had always wanted to see the involvement of the running backs more so in the passing game. A lot of the mm-hmm. times there were situations where it was because something wasn't there and they were able to be effective because he is multifaceted with his skill set and still to be productive. But but if it becomes a focal point of the offense, it could really explode. And I remember just because of Daily Fantasy this past year, you brought up Leach. When it was Max Borhe that he had that, which is a little Christian McCaffrey, the way that he was used. <laughs> he had 80. 80- five yeah 86 receptions for 600 yards and five touchdowns last year that's a running back for wide for Washington, Washington State, State. Yeah. yes 86 receptions guys, yeah. and then their backup had 17 so you're talking your running backs combined for a hundred and three receptions mm-hmm. for 710 yards yep. and they only ran the ball 143 times for 928. That's their game. But exactly it's because of their and game. it's yeah. to find the ability to get them in space and yep. it's a lot of, and it, and I've heard this Max Borgie kid talk about it. He said he loves it because it actually keeps him healthy. He's a guy that is isn't even the size of a guy like Ingram, mm. but if you're able to get him away from those bodies, not running head first into linebackers and, and be able to then scheme out the plays that like you have he's a well-rounded it's like a Tavon Austin stick route if he wants to get out into coverage, he can go in every single direction do whatever he wants or just out of the backfield he can run your simple wheels or any type of screen passes so just having that as a focal point now would be a different parts because we've already got good production when it almost seemed to be just a safety valve beforehand not necessarily a focal point of the offense I agree what well, Rod that lost Oklahoma State with Taylor Cornelius threw for all those yards and had those key runs in the fourth quarter I that love that corn dog you, doesn't it no, it was just a masterful <laughs> game plan. Yeah. We forget how good that game plan was. No, it remember, was. remember the Texas yeah. weaknesses, it was. And right? that's why we couldn't believe Gundy's Before game we plan. figured out, because 2017, the strength of the defense was you had those two linebackers who were probably as fast as any DBs you had on the field, and you had you had basically made the lightning package your base. So you had six DBs, but your two linebackers were as fast as DBs. You had eight DBs on the field at basically, base at any yeah. given time. And at, at, depending on if it was Jason Hall or – Antoine Davis or John Bonney, you sometimes had a DB that could morph into being a, a, an outside linebacker presence for you. It was just a really good, malleable defense for the Big 12. It was perfectly suited. So what Mike Gundy did when they lost uh, Malik Jefferson, I guess what was it? Mm-hmm. So Mike, man, it was just brilliant the way Mike Gundy decided to game plan because he used the the the, the, the two tailbacks in the running game 
the tailback would be able to get to the second level as a blocker. Mm-hmm. So he's like, they'll get to the second level faster than my tight end or my, I think they call the cowboy back cowboy or whatever back, it yeah. is, or the guard or the tackle. All right, let that running back just just run to Blast the second level. Him. And that guy was getting to the linebackers over and over again. And he just still chipped him. He just got in their way, but that was enough to them to get to the edges. And remember, they kept getting to the edges mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And that's what you can do in the running game. Teach those running backs the angles and the leverage in the blocking game. And I think Rojo would definitely be You're really right. good I at like it. You. I think Keontae Ingram could end up being good at it because he's got a physical enough body. Hell, you still got isn't Danny Young still back there? I mean, you got yeah, enough that's what guys. Bijan Robinson is just an all around freak. So of course, there's he been could some do buzz that Danny Young could maybe get a look at linebacker, but he could. Well, yeah, that fits this that. running back yeah, role too. But I'm just saying, like that's that game plan. People don't realize how good it was, man. Gundy, that was. I mean, that, that was your situation, but that was a brilliant game plan. Gundy is really good at figuring out. He's kind of Shano in that respect. What's your one weakness? All right, I'm going to go at that, make that guy's life a living hell, pull on that thread until the whole damn sweater unravels, or once you address that, leave yourself vulnerable, I'll have the counterpunch ready to go. And that's what I admired about that game plan. But that's Yersich can use that here in Texas. That's the same it's the same concept. Just use those tailbacks in the running game as blockers. And with Sam as a plus one, you got the numbers advantage. And if they want to load up with defensive yep. backs, you can just run it. And if they want to load up with linebackers, oh, you know what? Sam Ellinger can spread them out, and then you can find the the advantage with Jordan Whittington. I mean, you can go 11 personnel, Jordan Whittington at the H, and then shift him into the backfield and automatically, boom, you're tw- you know what I mean? You're 21 personnel. Yeah. <laughs> Automatic, yeah. like just with one shift. Oh, okay, you know what? Got, uh, 21. One personnel, and then the defense is like, "Oh, um, okay. Oh, he's gonna run it. Boom! You can run it right down their throat. Power running game. There's so many different things you can do now, but the focus has got to be the backfield and not necessarily the wide receiving core. I just don't. Tariq Black and Brandon Eagles. If Brandon Eagles plays, yeah. You know I mean, like, look at all the the uncertainty at wide receiver. You'd be a fool to start building this damn offense around the wide receiving core. Well, and you'd be a fool. We've seen already, like at the highest levels of football, like the Patriots, an entire offense can be schemed around a short passing game if you don't have great outside options. This whole past season, there were two you didn't have any outside options on that team other than Gronkowski as a guy that was diminished two years ago. Traded for some brought Antonio Brown, Rex Burkhead, (laughs) and and Deion Lewis, and James White. And work, never-ending yeah. valve, so you can actually have a top-end offense with that. But when you bring up that 2018 version of Gundy, it sort of it may it was the reason why going into 2019 against Oklahoma State, we were sort of fearing Gundy because you knew his ability to scheme. And then after hearing you explain that right there and how it happened, it really almost was as if Gundy saw what he did in 2018 and wanted to pound Texas, but didn't have the same pieces in 2019. And fun. he began to just run his head into a brick wall, and it didn't work. But when you look at that 2018 way that it was used, and when you have a guy like Sam who is a dual-threat quarterback too, you know, people can remember back to like the Fozzie days when we were just running a wildcat because you had no offense and how effective that that can be. And if you're talking about thinking about a wildcat situation all the way back to when it hit the NFL and the key part was a guy like Ronnie Brown would be lead blocking for the rookie and to have those multi, you have a weapon that has to be accounted for, but then it also is never accounted for as a blocker in yep. those situations. Agreed. So then you change sort of what Everybody the defense the what the, and what the defense yeah. is, is expecting you to do. So that's the chess match that you can do. And if you have all of these 
different pieces that can fit to whatever matchup you like. And we haven't even, we aren't even talking about the Wittentons and the Bijans because we don't even know how they're going to go in. And we've already seen the Roshan and then seen Ingram. It's just a handful of things that if you are going to have one year when the outside positions aren't going to be great, we've already seen you can manufacture offense through certain roles there. But it's great to have what's closer to the football be what could be the focal point because it's easier to get the ball to those guys than it is on the outside. Well, let's not forget, though, Rod, yeah, the big part of that game plan was it basically boiled down to this. Put a body on Anthony Wheeler, make him work through as much trash as possible, mm-hmm. and give Gary Johnson the furthest possible distance to get to the football. Pretty yep. much. It's pretty much what it boiled down to. But let's not forget the other thing Oklahoma State did, which was smart, and the other weakness they attacked was Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd had the suspensions. So it's like, all right, Anthony Cook, Kobe Boyce, are you guys ready? We're about to find out. Yeah. No, 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 no. Obviously, I'm not trying to bury the Because there was one quarter of that. That was was big. There was one big big. quarter of that. Yeah, that was was a deadly quarter. (laughs) I mean, that was brutal. That was the whole game. That that was the game plan. You're right. Initially, it was like, all right, you know, scrap the game plan. Let's just attack those two weaknesses, obviously exploit them because we only got it for a short amount of time yeah. whenever they decided to put Chris Boyd Devontae Davis it's like a It's like a power play in hockey. Right. You're right. You're right. right. It, it, it didn't matter what the game play initially was. Yeah, let's just go after those two guys, especially when you got Tylen Wallace, right, and stuff like that. But once everything subsided, I do think that's right. when they settled into what their game plan was. But you're right. You're right. Earlier, I forgot about that first quarter. That was brutal. So, I'm glad we're talking about that Mike Yersa's game plan because uh, I've got a story on the site with Horns 24-7 that looks at the Sam Ellinger-Mike Yersa's dynamic. And, guys, we know that Sam Ellinger and Tim Beck had a really good relationship. They had built yeah. a really strong rapport. And we talk about this all the time. You know, Matt, I know you're a numbers guy. We encourage people, like, be wary when looking at raw numbers because they can be really deceptive. Like, mm-hmm. if you're looking at, oh, this guy ran for 100 yards. Like, yeah, but 80 of that came when you were down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, you got to 100, but nobody really cared. It didn't matter. Passing yards in the Big 12, a huge one like that. Yeah. Catching up. So you start looking at the raw numbers. And you look at the Texas offense last year, and you're like, man, okay, they were good. And you even look at metrics like SP Plus, and Texas was, what, top 15 in the country in SP Plus offense last year? Maybe top 10. I forget where they rank. But you're like, okay, so what was the problem? Like, how do you look at those numbers and then you get to eight and five? Yeah. Well, obviously the defense played a big role in that. But Top you, 10. you look at the offense, and this is really why Mike Yersich was brought in. Like, we're talking about all this different stuff, but this is really what it boils down to. Can you get consistent production in the conference, especially when you're playing the better defenses in the conference? Now, in this article, I looked at the numbers – uh, going into big, going into bowl season from the reg- basically looking at just the regular season kind of cap the best defense right in the Big Twelve because as we know bowl numbers bowl games different things happen and your numbers can oh, we get know. deflated. That's frustrating about Tom Herman he's really good in bowl games right. which is basically that's that's make believe football that's not a real week to week football season. Yes. So the basically the top four defenses in the Big Twelve and I use two metrics to determine this. Uh, yards per play allowed, which is one that even though, Jeff, didn't you just say don't pay attention to raw numbers? Yeah, but yards per play allowed, typically it evens out, and that's a pretty good measure of mm-hmm. success. And that's a micro one that's divided by the amount of plays instead of being a whole, just some. Yeah. And a some number is the most deceptive one. Yeah. And then I looked at uh, Bill Connolly always does a great job with SP+. Plus. So I looked at where defense is ranked in SP+, plus going into bowl season. Yeah. So, basically, your top four defenses in a Big 12, and it wasn't even close, were Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma, and TCU. Coincidentally, the four games Texas lost in conference Baylor, play. Last so year. Baylor, TCU, Iowa State, and who else? Oklahoma. Yeah, that makes sense. So, here's three metrics I looked at for Texas in the regular season. 
Points per game, they were at 35 points per game in the regular season. Yards per play, 6.28 in the regular season. It was pretty good. Third down conversion rate, 49.1%. Texas yeah, was number two big, in the Big 12 and number yeah. nine in the country I'm at the end of the regular season. Third, yeah, third down rate. So then I broke it down by conference play. I said, well, let's look at those bottom five defenses, right? And Kansas State was one that – uh, yes, they one of the better they were on the border, but their yards that we talked about that going they into that game, weird, Rod. Yeah. Their yards per play allowed, they were like bottom third in the country in yards per play allowed. So it was like, okay, oh, State's got this great defense, and I remember us sitting here on the show like, ah, go. The, the offense w- was basically not exposing them a lot. Right. The offense yes. was, was doing their best to not expose that defense, and they got exposed as the season went on. Which is where more. like the numbers don't even out. Where if, yeah. you're, if you're saying, like, well, look at their points per game and look at this. But if you start looking at metrics like yards per play and see that it's really high, yards mm-hmm. per play allowed, then that's when you start to figure out, okay, you're masking it somewhere. Where yeah. are you masking it? So I looked at those bot- how Texas performed in those three areas, points per game, yards per play, and third down conversion rate against the bottom five defenses in the conference. Points per game goes up from 35 to 40.4. So they average almost five and a half points per against game more the worst against the bottom five defenses in the conference. Yeah. Yards per play, Rod, you're, you're, keep in mind your regular season average was 6.28 against those bottom five defenses in the league. You're at 6.99. You're almost at seven yards per play against yeah. those bottom five defenses. You're supposed to be. And your, yeah. third, your third down conversion rate, you're looking at your regular season third down conversion rate, 49.1. Pretty good, almost 50%, right? Against those bottom five defenses, it goes up to 53.6. So that's, you that's, are that's, that's dominating. You, that it's is like, crazy. It is like clubbing baby seals. You mm-hmm. are bludgeoning. The, the the worst defenses in this conference, which you should be. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, this is not good. But though. that doesn't mean that you're what you're great. saying. Okay, yeah, it's it means you're just better than bad. Based on those numbers, that means you're about to give me some real bad oh, news. I'm about <laughs> to give you. I'm about to give you yeah. the other side of the pillow, sir. Yeah. And it is not cool and good feeling. You have flipped that thing multiple times, and it's hot and sweaty. And by the way, Longhorn fans are not getting a good night's sleep. They already sleep. know this, yes. but you're about to yeah. give them quantify the, it. Yeah, you're about to give them the mathematical version of this how bad it was. This is what Big Twelve offenses. <laughs> Due to yeah. defenses uh, oh, man. against the top four defenses in the Big Twelve last year, Not good. points per game. Not good. Twenty point five. <laughs> That's a fifteen point drop, basically. And look at just the wow. how you are against the defense. You're at forty point four against the five worst against the four best. You're at twenty point five. You're averaging basically three touchdowns less per game. Yeah, against the top defenses, wow. yards per play. Keep in mind, you're up, you're basically at seven against the bottom five defenses mm-hmm. against the top four, five point one four. And Matt, as you know, when you're talking about that big of a discrepancy in yards per play, one point eight five to get is, three downs. That's six yards per set of downs. It is five miles and apart. And your third down conversion rate, Rod, against those top four defenses, you're down to thirty eight point seven. Wow. Yep. You're under forty. You're going to above fifty percent to under forty. I mean, I I didn't know it was that bad. I, obviously, we watched those games, so we knew it was bad. That is, that's horrific. That's terrible, as yeah. Charles Barkley would say. That's terrible. Hundred percent. Somebody, so yeah. I, you know what? Maybe Tom Herman had those stats. That's why, hey man, y'all gotta go. 
Y'all got to go. All of y'all got to go. Well, because uh, I ain't gonna fire myself, but the rest of y'all got to get the hell out of here. We are not competing in not even the <sighs> elite level, but just the upper echelon or the upper half. So, yeah, you ain't ready for a Bama, a Clemson, Ohio State, or somebody. Yeah. You ain't even near ready for that. Your offense isn't because your offense is a mirage. And I think the troubling is thing is a fugazi, a fugazi. The troubling thing too, guys, was you look at those games, those four games. It was all four different ways that the offense suffered. Oklahoma, you you got your head kicked in along the line of scrimmage. You allowed nine Offensive sacks. Line, had a meltdown, and they First couldn't half. handle the twists and the stunts. They just couldn't figure it out. Everybody knew it was coming, and the offense they just couldn't do it. They First couldn't adjust. Half of LSU Imagine was the same not being way. able to adjust to a simple football tactic that's existed for 70, 80 years. <laughs> like, now we, we, got no, we got nothing. Just throw your hands up. I got can't nothing. Beat I can't figure it out. You're going to do the okie doke. Yeah. You, you, you go to the TCU game, turnovers. As Sam had a meltdown. Well, uh, routes were predictable. So, TCU, Gary Patterson, who's a brilliant defensive mind, yep. NFL loves him as a Smart defensive defense. mind. They basically were able to, you know, really predict accurately what the route combinations were going to be. And Sam but Sam had a tough time, and the NFL scouts were told me, Sam had a tough time throwing guys open in that game, and guys weren't creating separation. So that's a concern for Sam. You know what I mean? Because this year, his, his wide receivers may not be getting separation. He may have to throw guys open. Mm-hmm. He may have to be extremely accurate with the football. Guys on the left shoulder, I got to make sure I throw it to the right and to the outside. You know what I mean? Like those types of NFL yeah. decisions. Can he do that because he didn't do it versus TCU? By the way, TCU had the best secondary arguably in the in the in college football last year. Yep. That secondary with two safeties who will play in the league, who will be all Big 12 selections this year, and also uh, the corner that went to Minnesota. I, Jeff Gladney. Oh yeah, Jeff Gladney, yeah. Jeff Gladney. So first round pick. So there'll be that, that secondary probably had two first round picks in it. Or maybe a first and a second, and it's going to have another guy drafted. Yeah, because both those safeties are fantastic. Yeah, Tra- Trayvon Mooring and, and our Darius, Darius Washington are both real have deal a chance to play yeah. in the NFL. For and sure. then talking about just the receivers you brought up there too, and that was with Devin Duvernay, who is about as well-handed, sure-handed of a college receiver that you'll ever find. And with Colin Johnson, a guy that had a catch radius and frame and hands that were great. So whenever there wasn't separation, you saw Sam maybe squeezing it into a window to Duvernay that not every receiver is going to be able to catch and things like that. So it's just another thing that this year, some of those tools that you had that could bail you out in those situations, it just makes it even tougher. Got to scheme guys open. Exactly. Yeah, scheme and guys na- open. Yeah, I'm and glad obviously you, against good, these defenses, that's tough to I'm do. Glad, I'm glad you mentioned scheme because – so we talked about Oklahoma's line of scrimmage. TCU was turnovers. Iowa State was scheme because you remember that game where they found something oh. at the end of the half where you're in the up tempo. They went back to the and run they, game. They, they kept going back to the run game for some reason. They just Power. kept slamming their head against the wall trying to run the football. And then the, by the Baylor game, it was a combination of all of those things. Sam wasn't very good. You lost the line of scrimmage battle. Your predictability hurts you. It was just a bad day that at the office. Sad route game. tree that you've always brought. That that <laughs> that Charlie Brown Christmas route tree that, mm-hmm. that Texas had, where they had four four or five different routes, basically uh, no variations. Yeah, that 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 caught up to him, I think, by the end of the year. And but that Iowa State, that may be the most unforgivable of all those. See, those yeah, losses. I, I keep because thinking. that one, you found the answer. You yeah. fig you figured out what worked. Your adjustments, they actually worked. And then you ignored your adjustments and somehow went back to the initial game plan you came into the game with that didn't work. It was 
Oh man, it, it that was what's say definition of insanity? Mm-hmm. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That was insanity. Yeah, because you, you had just scored the drive before going down the field, throwing it, opening everything up, and then the drive where you had to score, had to get first downs, had to score points. That's the drive where you decide to go into a shell and and break out the game plan that didn't work and from it's the worth- jump. That I couldn't. That. I, you pointed that out is so perfect, too, because where we're just before that talking about how Texas offensively was almost like, say, giving the answers to the test to the opponents or giving them a study guide. But then the one time you have been able to figure out, figure out. their study guide, their answers, you sort of abort from the mission. It you was just yourself. bizarre. <laughs> it was sort of like Gundy did, how Gundy did against us. Gundy did it He did it to us. It's weird to see that's those true. when Herman and Gundy. They, but overthink, like, they overthink it. Yeah, they, at times. And, yeah. And, and, and that's the one thing about Herman when I think at times because there is like this low-hanging fruit aspect of football that maybe five or six years ago you could have a big advantage on the field with simple QB run game, numbers game, a few yeah. different variations and schemes. Meathead football. And then, but you, like then you get past that. And now everybody else can do those type of things that make you more efficient as an offense or a defense. So maybe now you aren't as separate from everybody else. The field's caught up to them. So then that means your decisions are more magnified. And when you make a bad mistake like that, it's going to be more magnified because you don't have that margin of error that you maybe had in years past because college football has evolved and became a very smart type of football. Just as a point of reference against Iowa State, your yards per carry were 2.1. <laughs> Ran it twenty six times for fifty four yards. Uh, the nine sack game Even against more the nine sack game against Oklahoma. And granted, Roshan Johnson had the the sixty yard run or whatever it was that mm. kind of inflated your rushing numbers. In the nine sack game against Oklahoma, you're at two point eight a carry. Yeah. So you had a better day running the football with sack yardage included against Oklahoma than you did against Iowa State. Unbelievable. And granted, I mean that's the raw numbers, but I, I thought Texas didn't run the ball enough against Oklahoma. Oh, you're right. They they, they, were, they were popping big ones. Yeah. It, it, it they basically have to bang their head against a, a brick wall for two or three plays. They would pop one every now and then. I agree with you. you could, it's, it's the nothing nature. else was working for you because that's you know? what K State wide receivers didn't come to play that game. That's what K State that... figured out against Oklahoma. If you stick with the wrong long enough against that, and, and every defense has a flaw, Rob. We know every defense is you've got a weakness somewhere. And with that Alex Grinch defense, it's kind of like the Manny Diaz defense where they are blitz heavy. It's kind of a simple scheme, but. Man, if you if you make a wrong read or you guess wrong, then yep. you got you can drive tour buses through yeah. gaps. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically gonna be a tackle for loss or big runs. That's not how it works out. Much. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. It's interesting, man. That, that's why when you know the Utah game where they figured out the bunch formation, right? They, they call it snug. snug. Uh, here, we watched some film. Get we figured snug. out the snug formation gives you a decisive advantage versus their coverage schemes. I'm like, it's a bunch formation, and it gives you an advantage versus any coverage scheme. Yes. It allows you to get a free release for your receivers, and your routes are not as predictable because they're coming from different launch angles. That's not sound like baseball, but release angles, yeah, I should no, say. No, you're right. So, you know, that you should always be using bunch. You can use the same same route combination, but like, hey, we're going to get to it a different way. You're yeah. going to get to it via this bunch formation. So a delayed release for the inside guy. You know, not, they didn't do a bunch formation until Utah. It's a few different a ways. A bunch. Yeah. And they acted like it was some 
some revolutionary concept that they, Meanwhile, you know, we're gonna steal. We stole this from the from the from the L.A. Ram when Sean McVay came down here. He told us about the bunch formation. It's like what? what you, me, right? It was like what are y'all talking about? It's funny because Oklahoma bunch. trolled Texas. Yeah. You had Jalen Hurts handing Lincoln Riley a starburst Running. after the game, oh, just man. trolling him at the end of that I game. I can't believe it. That's what I'm saying. Like it, some of this stuff is unforgivable, man. Yeah, unforgivable. Yeah. yeah. And, and what makes it even more frustrating is I, I've been in clinics where Tom Herman has talked offense and I've seen his offense at Houston. They use bunch formations all the time. <laughs> well, I mean, and it did only... the exact thing you're talking about, Rod, where you might be lined up in a trip set where, where guys are, you know, you guys might have staggered and number one might be a delayed release and running a slant. And then the next time, number Ooh. three is on a delayed release and he's running a wheel. Like it's. It's crazy yeah. how predictable and mundane the offense became, or how simple it would have been to change it. You know, like for something he, that, like you're saying, but it's he so was easy. calling the plays. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. I, well, by he, that point, by Iowa more, State, yeah, for sure. And he had, he really did. He couldn't see the forest for the trees. The more I look at 2019 and what went wrong, I think the numbers they put up in that LSU game, I think that lulled they they lulled themselves into a false sense of security about. How wow. good they were off, and that was theory. only in the second half. That first half, Texas wasn't very. I'm not good saying either. I'm right, but that's kind of no. where I'm at. No, because you're right. Remember the initial theory that you had was because we were, we were upset after the game actually that we didn't see more innovation and creativity. Mm-hmm. We were like, what the hell? I saw we, you know, we talked because we it. talked about we wanted to see the ten personnel because you were bringing in David Beatty concepts yep. from the air. Waiting ten wasn't hurt then yet. We're gonna see more RPOs because uh, what's his name at Baylor now? I can't think. Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora, right? Larry Fedora's gonna bring in the RPO package. We're gonna see that. And then um, K State guys gonna help us bring in the uh, the the K State running game is gonna be a part of that, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, what's the, the wide receivers coach? What's his name now? Can't, I'm, I'm, I'm in brain fart. Andre Coleman. My CTE's kicking. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Andre Coleman, right? He's gonna help us bring in the quarterback run game that K State has fashioned and popularized throughout the years. And we didn't see really any of that. We saw some creativity, but your theory was. Tom Herman, because the LSU game didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. You still just win the Big 12. All your goals still out. Win the Big 12, then you got a shot at bigger things, right? The and depending on that. how you finish and how LSU finish, that loss might not be held against you yeah, exactly. in the eyes of the committee. He wanted to see how my guys stack up. Let's go out here like this is a damn scrimmage or the spring game. Let's run. Let's do what we do. All right, our concepts, our style of football, let's not get crazy with it. Let's not get wacky. Let's not – we're not going to go all in on this game. We're going to just go out there with our bare-bones concepts with our raw athletes versus LSU's raw athletes who everybody says top five in the country. We all agree. Mm-hmm. And let's see if we can match up. Let's just see how we match up. And we know if we give them a schematic advantage, coaching advantage, oh, hell yeah, we'll win that all day every day like we do in the bowl games when we face a really good team. And I don't know. I think your theory—he's uh, a—sometimes an arrogant mofo. I could see him doing that. Like, no, it's not, this doesn't really matter in the grand scheme. We're not gonna get beat down by LSU. Our guys are gonna be ready to play. And he was right. But what he was—what what he didn't remember is that that was the best that Texas played all year, other than the Utah game, arguably offensively. And that was probably the worst—that one of the worst performances we've seen from LSU all year. Strangely enough. Yeah, that was yeah. one of their worst performances. That's like, you know, it was like it, bottom three. Yeah, but them. it was it was game two with Joe Brady exactly. in the new offense. So they didn't know who they were yet yeah. either, and we didn't either. Unfortunately, we deteriorated after that. That was our best offensive performance, arguably all year. Yeah, you could argue that. Yep, thirty-one points in the second half. Only had seven in that first half. In that first you could half, argue that. yeah, and especially it took a when while. you look at you know if if one of those two goal line possessions in the first oh. quarter 
turns out I different. I forget the we had yeah. two. Oh, well, because Osai just picked it up. It was sort of the same yeah. uh, one. That's you bad. just had eight four, plays. It sort of reminds four me of, plays, four plays from inside the LSU eight yard line, and you got zero points. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Eight, eight plays. plays. Eight, eight plays. Eight plays from inside the LSU eight yard line, line. Yeah, man, and you oof. got zero points. Wow. I was told there would be no math involved today. No. <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, that's. But that's yeah. that's where I, I mean, I, nothing else. I mean, I'm sure I'm more than open to suggestions, but that's kind of where I come out of. I think that LSU game, kind of, I think it was, a lot of it for Tom Herman was probably confirmation bias. So yeah, okay, we like can, that. we do, what we do, we're gonna be fine because we talked about the game plan in the Oklahoma game. Theory. It's like they they knew what Oklahoma was gonna do. Hey, they're gonna come screaming down the alleys on bubbles and this, that, and the other. And it's like, okay. Oklahoma's doing exactly what you said they were going to do, yet you have no counterpunch to that. It was amazing. What, what, what's the deal here? That all, They came out off. I think the one thing they did offensively that I hadn't seen them do a lot was they did open up the, the slot fade. Yep. Right, I remember the slot oh, fade. Jake Smith dropped that one. And he dropped yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. That's one of the one. I think that was kind of – I'm trying to think of a lot of innovations they used. And, again, they didn't do a lot. Well, they started throwing in. It's funny they might have had the, one Duvernay in the backfield snap or something, but they didn't uh, do a yeah, lot. It was, right. it was it was, it, it wasn't very innovative or creative. Minimal, yeah, minimal, and what, minimal innovation. Looking yeah. back at just the game log right now at some of the play-by-plays in that first half because I remember that Duvernay did nothing because he had he finished the game with 12 for 154, but – Ten of those receptions were in the second half. The first mm-hmm. half, he wasn't a focal point. When you look at the focal point, actually, first play of the game, 19-yard pass to Ingram. Ingram had mm-hmm. a couple targets out of the backfield, but then mm-hmm. on that goal line series you're talking about was when the Ingram drop happened. And then oh, you so we're, tell, we're going back to the LSU. Game. LSU. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. So looking overall, no, at that. you're right. No, because they had that move that. Yeah, that beautiful screen play on the mm-hmm. first drive. God, it was a beautiful. Yeah, the very first play, play of the game. Yeah, it was yards amazing. Yep. Yep. And then this. they intended another one to him on that drive. He was the focal part of it, and then with that drop, it sort of, yeah. I guess, got in the head at the time. And then after, yeah, because then you look across the board. That's three targets in the first quarter. Rod, first I'm not ten a, minutes. I'm not a, Rod. You you you've forgotten more ball than I know, and I'm not ashamed to admit when I was maybe wrong about something or I've seen something from a new perspective remember yeah. when we gave sean watson so much credit for his opening scripts and his opening scripts for games were, were really good yeah and then i infamously asked him one time about you know what kind of adjustments do you make and he told me oh you, there are no adjustments <laughs> well based on the, based on your product that's <laughs> pretty pretty freaking obvious there are no adjustments like, what? What? <laughs> so you're just gonna oh, go do with just no. what, what the plan so, was but no but but the further away oh. we get from it rod it's like oh. you know what dribble your sean watson or tim beck river Man, if you're a D1 offensive coordinator, your opening script should be really good because that's the stuff that you self-scouted, you've scouted yeah. the opponent, you've game-planned it, yeah. you've worked on it. It's like your Herman first, in a bowl game. Your first 15 plays should be they probably should be your good. best schemed plays all game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it depends on – because some guys, let's just say Shannon, for instance, he's one of the play callers that I know personally. We're like the unofficial Kyle Shanahan we podcast. We give a lot of Shannon. But I just because I know his Long mind. Longhorn, great things. football coach, best he, friend. He, of he uses his scripted plays – troubleshooting and also because he knows he's gonna call plays so he's troubleshooting he is he's got three or four plays to test that d tackle that he thinks maybe that guy's having a good day 
Maybe they, they got the linebacker okay. that he thought was going to be a, a weakness. Maybe they've accounted for that in the scheme this game, and they decided to give him a little help when he's in coverage. You know what I mean? So he's, okay. he's, he's troubleshooting a lot of his play. He's, say, he's still going after pieces. those weaknesses specifically, but he's troubleshooting. Go, oh, he's got okay. He's gonna have safety over the top of him. Okay. See what is he right, gonna do? I'll here. mark that down. They got a safety over the top when we go twenty-one motion to. Okay, you know what I mean? He's, mm-hmm. he's just he just because he's he's logging it. Okay, I'll just know that. And next time we'll put a wheel. I'm gonna add a little wheel route to that one on that motion and see if he also if that safety can get over the top of that. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he's got because because it's his playbook. But some guys I don't know. Like I don't know if Yersich will be as comfortable in the playbook because it's not his. You know what I mean? So his scripted plays, yeah, I think they might be a little different. So everybody's got something different they're trying to achieve with the first scripted. Some people are like, I'm trying to score points. That's it. I'm trying to score points. Some people are trying to exploit certain weaknesses with the first 15. Some people are trying to force them to adjust really quickly with the first 15, right? I'm going I'm going to go out I'm going outside zone over and over again until you adjust immediately and then hit that outside zone bootleg. Play action. It's like right. how you play. Is it possible too that your opening script could be about misinformation? Yes. could be too. Exactly for sure. Planting seeds yes. of misinformation, which I think also Shannon does. I think Brian yeah. Harson was a misinformation guy with his opening scripts. Because how how often we see like, man, why do they keep running so much inside zone to like show something? And then it's like, oh, they're coming. They're going to fake the inside zone and they're going to do like a reverse, reverse, or reverse off of delayed it or release, tight end yeah. come across. Yeah, no, you're right. I think, it's I think like, and then it's yeah. like playing I'm a, poker I'm a at that you. point. Yeah, exactly. So if you can bring in misinformation, but then also say you saw something good on film, but you don't necessarily know if they're going to react the same way. It's like being handed a good, uh, like you got a pair of jacks. It's pretty good, but it's not great. Do I want to use it all right now and go all in, or am I going to see what everybody else is going to do? Am I going to wait for later when he's in the fourth quarter? He forgot about it, but his mind, his muscle memory is telling him. But then you can also call a play that's quite similar that may make them react the same way, but it's throwing to a different receiver or something along those lines. So it just becomes a game of poker. Everybody's script. Everybody's got something different they're trying to achieve. Basically, and you know, when you're at the top of football, those yeah. Andy Reeds and those Shanahan's, they're just playing cards with you. That's why it's so great whenever you see a Belichick against them in those type of games. Those games are just total mind battles. Which is interesting, Rod. Like you never hear about offensive coordinators throwing a game plan out. Like they're always going to try to go back to it. Like oh, we'll see if it works. Like we talked about with that Iowa State game yeah, last year. Right. But the stories that I really like as far as game planning goes, the Shanahan information you just gave was interesting. But I love – it seems like we have more of these stories about uh, Will Muschamp and Bull Reese where you get a series or two in the games like, everything we worked on, yeah. forget it. Here's what, here what we're doing now. Because <laughs> yeah. they got that football IQ and see it that second and identify it, and that's something that we were saying, you know, maybe some coaches aren't weren't able to identify that as well, and that's a talent that not everybody's going to possess. I, I, but if you live and breathe football and you can see it on the sideline, that's what you want. Th- that is true. I think also defense, you know, de- I've, al- I've always yeah. said defense is about you got to have players with talent Helps if they're experienced players. You got players with talent. You can get a schematic advantage offensively, and it can be it can all it can almost be predominant. Like it can actually give you a such an advantage where you can win games with not subpar talent, but average talent, average mm-hmm. to below average talent. You can't be an elite championship defense with a scheme mm. that uplifts average to below average talent. Right. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. So that's why I think on defense, sometimes you go, you know what? I'm scrapping this whole damn game plan. 
I got guys that can cover man to man. I got guys that can rush a damn passer. I got guys that can, you know, that can stuff the run. Let's just go back to what we do, all right? Which is what Chris Ash is going to come in here and do. Chris Ash ain't come. Chris Ash is coming in to simplify things. Mm-hmm. Orlando got a little too exotic, too elaborate with his scheme, and everybody's like, "You got the best athletes in the country mm-hmm. playing on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield. Why the hell are we trying to bring all these exotic blitzes to give us an advantage?" Yes, every now and then it's cool, but for the most part, I don't. We need we guys are missing assignments because they are out of position because we're trying to deceive them um, and disguise so much and then do all these elaborate things. Why not just have them really technically sound? Are they better than the guy across from them? Yes. Are they better technically? That's up to you as a coach. And then let's go win. Yep. And then go back to – and then as a coach, I will make an adjustment during the game and go, all right, our man-to-man just ain't working. We got to go. Let's go rob her underneath. Remember, you mm-hmm. got an inside hole player for that slant route. You can play over the top. Make sure you're outside leverage. Then we can go the adjustments to make it. But right now, we got better athletes than the guys across from us, yeah. and we should be able to have more success – just being more technically sound. That seemed to be a common theme like in the Charlotte Strong era when they would have success defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go back to some of those games, e- even in the years where it wasn't working well in 15 and 16, but especially yeah. in 14, and you would talk to you know Vance on Wednesdays or, or Charlie on Mondays, and they would tell you, like, hey, we only had like maybe two coverages. We were probably either man-free or cover three, one of the two all day. And yeah. up front, we only had maybe two or three calls all day, and that Pass was it. ready to go. Yep. And then able to play fast. Surround that around when Texas is weaker defensively <laughs> have been these guys that have el- tried to elevate the defense via scheme like an Orlando or even Manny initially. I'd love to talk to Manny Diaz now uh, to see his adjustments that he's made career-wise and just play-calling-wise and if they sort of align with some of the theories that we talk about with these guys because – to get to a spot at Texas, you have to do a lot, but you do it at places where you don't have those talented players that you end up at Texas. So when you land there, you sort of it'd be tough to maybe abandon a lot of the things that gave you the successes. But if you understand what you're seeing in the players that you have on the field, you actually maybe have been complicating the issue, even though you're trying to do it yeah. because it was what got you. Those little sides a perfect example. Exactly. <laughs> right. You, you got to be run stuff and then pass rushing. Yep. And you got him doing all this elaborate stuff to disguise and dropping back in the this coverage. Ain't UConn. If he's in coverage, you got out coached. It's just go. that simple. Mm-hmm. See, the same thing happened with, with with Manny going into year two. And I remember saying this after a few games, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like I'm gonna. I, I remember saying something to the effect of, "I'm gonna snap on somebody the next time I see Alex Okafor 30 yards down the field." <laughs> I remember you Alex saying Okafor that a lot. Should never, should that. never be. I think it was the West Virginia game. <laughs> yeah, I'm like 2012. I would rather him trying to tear Geno Smith's head off if I'm Manny Diaz <laughs> than he ain't gonna he ain't gonna do nothing against Tavon Austin. Sorry, yeah. Alex Okafor, I love you if you're listening, but <laughs> I, I'll, if if that's if that's the match if I'm Dana Holgerson, I'm taking that all day every day. Totally you on Tavon Austin. Yeah. So I just think I like for Manny. To your point, Matt, I think Manny was just a young coach at the time that mm-hmm. just got discombobulated, and then by the time he tried to get it back, it was just too far gone. It yep. was too late. For Vance, and I throw Charlie in there too because that was Charlie's defense as much as it was Vance's, I think for them it was kind of a – and we saw this, Todd Orlando actually benefit from this. I think for them it was just a reluctance to go with younger guys that maybe they knew were better but it was just leaning too much on veteran guys, trying to lean too much on experience where, mm. no, 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 the, the younger guys more talented, take your lumps now and have it pay off on the back end. Well, the payoff was Todd Orlando getting paid off for yeah. it on the back end where he's got Chris Boyd and Holton Hill and Malik Jefferson. Now all these guys are experienced. Yeah. 
Like now, now when they've got enough reps under the belt, now Todd Orlando's the one benefiting. From yeah, them. we've seen that. Um, and you know, in 2018, I predicted Todd Orlando would have a would have a bad defense. It would get worse in 2019, and he would be fired, mm-hmm. Black Stradama style. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily because I could see the future, even though sometimes I can. But if you just studied recent history, uh, and you yep. had, had a good breakdown about it on, at home 24 seven. If you just look at recent history, it will have told you that he was going to have the same uh, decline in defensive efficacy that Manny Diaz had and that Vance Bedford had. And it's because of that. It, it's weird. It's because of that trend of experience on the defensive side of the ball when you lose a lot. And then those guys who did play early, they mature to mm-hmm. juniors and seniors, and then they play well. Like we said about defense, that's what helps defense, really good players who have experience. Mm-hmm. Which I, I'll credit both of you guys, Rod, for you telling me a few years ago something that I never really put two and two together, but you mentioned it in this show. Offense, you can get by with scheme. You can mask a lot of deficiencies on offensive oh, yeah. scheme. You can't hide defensively. At some point, if you don't have the horses, you're going to get exposed. No doubt. Period. Yep. Uh, and then Matt, you know, when and, – and I brought this up on my show with Craig Way, by the way, Light the Tower each and every weekday on the horn from uh, 10 to Damn noon. Damn good, good show. show. Yeah, Thank you guys you, are killing it lately, man. I, I mentioned job. this, uh, you know, earlier this week on the show, which, you know, one of the reasons why Matt and I really got into this bust rate stuff is just trying to put, like, a numerical value or trying to quantify, okay, what is a bust? Like, people mm-hmm. just use that label frivolously. Like, yeah. how do you quantify it? And we did, and I've, with Matt's blessing, I've kind of tweaked the, the definition of it as we've gotten bust percentages. But so both of you guys, can, uh, your theories both come together. And, and that goes into that article, and we don't have time to get into it today, Rob, but that article I wrote where you know, I look at kind of number of games lost from year to year and what returns and how that coincides with first-year Texas defensive coordinators – if you look at when the years you lose starting production and put that side by side with recruiting class bus rates, it almost lines up perfectly mm-hmm. where when there's big gaps in the pipeline, that's when you have these drop-offs. That's why it's been imperative for Tom Herman mm-hmm. to, if you look at the 2017 class, your bust rate right now is, I think, 17.6% or 167 I got to look at great. it. But you're under 20 and. Matt and I kind of decided a few years ago, if you're under 20, you're in great shape. Even with Anthony Cook leaving, your bust percentage for the 2018 class, you're at 11.5%. Wow. So you're you're in awesome That's, shape with your first two And classes. how many guys do you think we have left from that group that have go? What percentage would you say? I mean, the 17 class, you've got a lot of those guys that are going to be starters or significant contributors. Right. So, but Top you're, so you're, into, you're into your three or four with those guys mm-hmm. now, so they're not going to contribute to the bus percentage at this point. Now yeah. you're just determining how many of those guys are NFL guys, which are the other three categories yeah. they fall into. Oh, that's really mm-hmm. good. And you've got so many guys in that 2018 class. Oh, like you got You've got 10 guys. And it's like Stearns, Foster, Ingram, you can go down the list, of guys that have already established themselves as as starters. But then you've got, you know, Rod, you mentioned receiver. You've got Avante Woodard, Josh Moore. Go to defense, you've got DeMarvion Overson, Moro Ojimo. You've got a lot of guys that are – they're not they're not factoring into the bus percentage, but they're not starters yet. So where are they going to fall? Now you've got to play this the competition game and camp and all that stuff to figure that out. But this is why that – those numbers right there and looking at those two recruiting classes, man, that in and of itself is why Chris Ash has a chance to actually maybe mm-hmm. get immediate success and maybe sustain it because you're not going to have everything drop off a table. You're going to have guys. You've got guys in the pipeline now that you've recruited, you've developed, and it might not be 
you know what you had and what you have in twenty. It might not be that way in twenty one. But you know you can break the cycle, right? But it's it's done. It shouldn't fall off a cliff. Well, maybe that's what we yeah. hired Herman for. We that's didn't the, need to be off the cliff. We need to be going back in the trajectory. And even though the results haven't been what we've wanted exactly, that's what we've wanted is to not have that cliff happen. And this may be the first coach to maybe do that. You guys got to go look at the bus rates after Max because two thousand eighteen would basically represent Max ninety nine class, my class, and see you know what was the bus rate for those two like the classes around that because you're right. I got I mean, them right maybe, here, Rod. Which which years you want to look at? Well, just looking at. Well, I'm just trying to look at because if you're saying that Tom Herman can avoid you know that okay the, that drop so, that cycle, Mac Brown avoided that cycle. Of the defense, right? That defensive until cycle like, didn't oh, start nine, until 10. it started. Yeah, okay. after Muschamp is yeah. when Here, it starts. So this Mac coincides. Was able to avoid. This coincides with you guys winning a lot of games. So I'll just look at it from these chunks, right? So I'll go ninety-eight to 01, right? Okay. Right before you start the run, uh, your bus percentages by class 36 percent. But I've got a theory on first full recruiting cycles. You're basically taking some chances. You say we got to get the talent level up. We got to get the talent level up. Yeah. So maybe you'll take guys. Maybe take they got a character. Than you yeah. You, and you, you did might. Alfio Randall. Like yeah, there's some some guys in '99 that Mack wouldn't take. And then that bus like, a roster. A guy, yeah, a guy like Tyrone Richardson, yeah. Kenny Hyder, that fall that. into that percentage. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Hansen. Two thousand. Your two thousand class bus percent is nineteen percent. Two thousand one, fifteen percent. So that's the key. So that's the key. Uh, you go back where it starts to fall off a cliff though under Mac. Uh, 2009, 42.9. Yeah. 2010, 40, uh, 37.5. Okay. Uh, 11 and 12 were okay, 4.5, and, and then 25. But in 13, that's the end of Mac, the beginning of Charlie, 46.7. Yeah. So that's what happens to your defense. Now, offense, I'm sure you can equate it too, but we're talking specifically about the defense. You, like you said, you don't have that steady stream of young guys who were contributors who could become starters. For mm-hmm. you that next year and fill in those roles who still have experience. All right. So they're not just, you know, uh, freshmen and guys who are inexperienced you're throwing in there, but they weren't in a starting role yet. So they don't contribute to the bus rate. They contributed to the either the NFL success rate or to the contributor success rate. Mm-hmm. But when you have those really high bus rates, and man, I, I know we won't go back and look at it specifically on defense or offense, but I bet on defense specifically because we talk about how talent. Yeah. has to be your main like contributing factor to success on defense, talent and experience. That's when Mac was able early on to stave off those declines, yeah. and like he wasn't niche. late. From Let's nine, add that niche. We can start looking at offensive bus yeah. and defensive bus, and you may be able to have hit, one put, be survivable. Hit, my point is the bus hit the defense harder than they do the offense. And, that, and mm-hmm. they hurt the offense, too, but they hurt they decimate the defense. A perfect and example if you have of more of those hit as busts, that could be even worse. Yeah. Perfect example of what you're talking about, Rod, look at the 2016 class, which coincides with these two drop-off years for Todd Orlando. Who factors into your bus percentage? All those defensive linemen, Marcel Southall, Jordan Elliott, yep. Chris Daniels, Eric Fowler factors oh, into that mix. Eric, Eric Cuffey's in that mix. So yeah. most of those guys in the 2016 class, which I don't have the number in front of me, but I think what we figured, Matt, it's like 34 35% yeah. bus rate in that class. Not good. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys are on defense, and a lot of those guys would have been big-time contributors for you exactly. if not started. Like Jordan Elliott's an NFL player now. Yeah. yeah. And he got drafted. And like you mm-hmm. said, if they're not going to end up being NFL players or, or straight-up starters, at least they can bridge the gap until you can develop that guy yep. or find that guy or recruit over him. Which is so Texas huge. doesn't even have the bridge. Which mm-hmm. is so the bridge huge. collapses. That, that, nine, that 98 class, <laughs> that transition class for Matt, is a perfect bridge class because I mentioned the low bus rate, 11.1%. 
and you only had, I think, two or three draft picks in that class, mm. but go look at the number of contributors you had. I mean, that's Ahmad Brooks, yeah. Lee Jackson, mm-hmm. a lot of guys that played a lot of football. Maybe they weren't right. NF, like NFL draft picks. They got they got it ready for, for guys like me and Nasty Nate. and That's Irvis Hill, Jermaine Anderson, Tyrone Jones, Johnson. Everett Rawls. Yeah, yeah. You, you got it ready for your young guys to take over. That's that's the bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a perfect bridge class. No cavernous and holes. So that's what you're hoping – that Tom Herman has that that he got that 2017 was a good and bridge 17, for him. And 17 is a great bridge. Great bridge 18, for him. and, and now, it's got the potential. I mean, you got a franchise quarterback in that class. Yeah. You're going to have a high draft pick That's on the offensive point. line at Cosme. I think Taquan Graham could end up I getting love drafted. It. I love him moving inside. Der- Derek Kerstetter is a part of that class. Bimage might be your best pass rusher. He could be getting ready to take off. So you, there's a lot to really sink your teeth into. Start in that 17 stacking class. classes Dang. with low bust rates. It looks That's like good. the early 2000s. What, One seven? day when we got nothing to do, which is a pandemic, so break we got nothing to do. <laughs> we got to break down the defense and offense of the. Oh, look at it before basketball we'll starts. Get, no, we, we could. It, it'd be a group project. I've got it. No, some, I mean it, it <laughs> actually shouldn't take too yeah. terribly long because I've got all the names. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, you I've got all the names. I know. I know. <laughs> it's what and I do. Put it last still, still. All right, I was, we were going to get into some big picture Big Twelve, but we'll save that uh, for next week's show because I got to dig into. You guys can go to the site. Get. I'll have some more of these uh, CBS Sports Line numbers. They've run some simulations, and uh, yeah. not really for Texas and Oklahoma does it impact. But a little teaser for next week: Iowa State and Oklahoma State are probably right now, based on what the public perception is mm-hmm. and what the data folks say mm-hmm. those are the two most polarizing teams in the big 12 They're the two biggest wild cards yeah exactly they, they, if, if those two teams play well all hell could break loose in the big 12 next year all hell and don't be surprised if oklahoma state could end up in a national championship discussion like that's how crazy it could get yep and it, if uh, yeah. you like betting value look at those two teams before next week the seriously that's a match point there might not be a better con- if you're betting on conference championship futures there might not be better value in the country right now than Iowa State. Yep. Based on what the simulations say and what the, the line suggests and what the value is, there might not be better value than the Cyclones right now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B on that triple option afternoon show each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every morning from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows, all on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to find us anywhere you get your podcasts by searching Horns 24-7 Podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just put in Horns 24 Four seven podcast. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. And don't forget to like us and leave us a review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. 
Wow. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.